Hey there, my name is Hugo Prince. I'm the host of the Influence Me, Influence More podcast, a podcast available in French and English. Before we go into the episode, I just want to give you a little bit of context about who I am and what is this podcast all about. So, I'm a podcaster since 2017 with my main show, The Road to the IPO, where I interview entrepreneurs, artists, and athletes. But I'm also the founder of Influence Unite, a company that connects influencers with the audience, and we do that through events, marketing services, networking, and now podcasting. For me, it was very important to give the credit to those local influencers because I believe nobody else is doing it. So that's why I start all this movement, all this community, because I want those influencers to share their journey with the audience. So this podcast is all about marketing, branding, Instagram, and all the other social media platforms. So if you want to learn more about marketing, how to run yourself, this podcast is the best one out there. Yeah, I believe that. Anyways, this podcast is available on all audio platforms, including Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I hope you appreciate the show. If you want to know more about our event and when is the next event coming up, just have to go and check on the Facebook page, Influencers Tonight. The link is in the description of this episode, so you can go and check it out. And I hope to see you in your next event, if you are from Montreal, of course. So, hope you enjoyed the show, and let's start this right now. Welcome to the Influence Me, Influence More podcast. Uh, this podcast is going to be in English. Um, Influence Me, Influence More is a podcast created by Influence Tonight. Influence Tonight, uh, at Influence Tonight, we connect local influencers with an audience, and we do that, we do that for events, uh, podcasting, and webinar. But as you know, there is no event right now. And I'm not planning to do any events maybe until the end of 2021, just to see how this is going on with all of COVID and everything. But I'm continuing to do podcasting. Um, I took a, a small break because I started a new business. Um, it's been like six months that I didn't, I didn't do any podcast. So maybe uh, I'm a little bit rusty, <laughs> but um, like always, um, I always take my time to, um, to know about my guest. Um, today guest is somebody that I, I met at one of the Influence Tonight events. Uh, my Spouse, My Passion in 2019. Yeah, 2019, that's like two years ago already. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time, we used to connect everyone together in person. So um, I saw him on social media and I said, this guy, he's amazing. <laughs> he's always like, uh, always doing business and always creating content. So I want to introduce him. He's Martin Hugh, entrepreneur, co-founder of, of Flor Ekado, a restaurant of Japanese authentic food. He's also the CEO of Mars, Mars Marketing Agency. Hi, Martin. How's it going? Very good. And you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. So Martin, like I, like I told you, uh, like I said right now, we met through one of my events in 2019. But at that time, we didn't have the, the time to talk together because there was a lot of people so i just mm-hmm. want to let i just want you to introduce yourself uh, who are you where are you from to the audience well um so let's start like origin story i i was born in montreal um all, all my life you know growing up i was all, always into artistic things you know whether it's drawing or painting or playing music uh, I, I've always been into that. So yes. um, as I as I evolved into my education, it became more and more clear to me that I needed to make a decision between will I go 
um, the more, you know, standard route, because obviously my, my parents, um, from my dad's side, he's Vietnamese, yeah. and from my mom's side, she's German. Okay. And and if you know anything about these cultures, you know, school school for them is so important. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 everything is about, you know, like get a good job and, and get a good degree and traditional route, yeah. Yeah, the traditional route, which which is, you know, tried and true. It's been tested. Uh, but for me, I just didn't I just didn't resonate with that for some reason. I did my uh, my CGEP in, in pure sciences. I was good in sciences, I was good in math. But what you know, halfway through that CGEP, uh, like those three years of CGEP, I started to realize like I was doing this out of like, I, I just felt like I, I was forced to do this and I didn't really want to do it. And so that's when I, I had to make the decision when I went into university, would I go into uh, something that was related to, you know, being a doctor or a dentist or did I want something more artistic? And I, I just, you know, I took the leap and I have to say, like reading a lot of books back then helped me a lot because it gave me the perspective, and I guess it gave me the uh, almost the um, the the confidence to to make the jump because I saw these people that did it before me, that just followed their passion, as tacky as it sounds, but made it. Yes. So, so that's what I did. I, I went into graphic design in Concordia because I was seeing, you know. The, the internet was not going anywhere. Social media was getting more and more prevalent. Uh, movies, you know, like uh, the, the way I saw like the evolution of like Disney movies, Star Wars movies, like everything was getting more digital. Everything was, you know, like the, the creative was so, was so prevalent. It was just there. And, and there was more and more focus on that. So to me, I saw that as like the connection between my artistic side and and also what I could bring into the the workforce later on. So I decided to go into graphic design. It's kind of ironic because I I know a lot of Asian people and a lot of like I'm from Peru, which is uh, like your like your parents or my parents are very like strict. They want me to took they want me to to take their traditional route, which I didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur, but mm -hmm. um, it's kind of ironic because a lot of those parents want the, their kids to go like become a doctor but most of those kids want to be an artist so <laughs> they want to be a musician yeah. they want to be artist so i don't know where it does it come from like we want to go against our parents yeah and and that's a good point and and to that i have to be eternally thankful for that i have to be so thankful for the fact that you know our parents went through those periods of you know of economic difficulty yes. for us to to be where we are today because you know as much as now we talk a lot about entrepreneurship taking risks and everything I don't have the actual perspective of going through let's say like you know having an economy an economy where there's not that many jobs and and where there's no internet per se as we know it today so there's definitely not that many opportunities uh, back then versus now, you know, now with the internet, it's almost like if you want to start something, you can start from scratch and, and, and there's actually no, not that many barriers to entry. Yes. Whereas before, if you wanted to start your business, it's almost like you, you had to start from zero and, and the money you had to put in was just 
so ridiculous that like nobody actually even thought about it yeah. or if they did they, they were really risk takers you know do you think there's less risk right now because like you say of the internet opens a lot of opportunities so there is less risk because there's less money that you have to that you have to put to stop it depends on what you want to start obviously you know like there's there's always there's always like a a level of risk for for any generation you know there's things in there right now that could be super risky like if you put all your money on in bitcoin for example like that could be super risky you know but but in the sense of like starting something that's your own thing right now it's never been easier and it's never been more just like at, at the tip of your, your fingers, if you really want to start it, you want to, you want to have a website today, like you could actually design your website and, and you could host it for, for like 30 bucks a month, you know, like get a domain name and, and host it and just learn about it and everything. You can actually learn everything through YouTube now and through the internet, which is fascinating. Exactly. So talking about learning, you just said that you went to a university graphic design, but you also did a bachelor degree in marketing. So I think, yes. and right now you like, you're very involved in marketing. So where does it come from that, like that uh, passion about, about marketing, that curiosity about marketing? Well, halfway through my, I wouldn't even say halfway, but like a year after I was into the design program, yeah. I was... I was taking these art classes and everything. And, and I just realized I wasn't someone that learned by being in class. I learned by doing, and that's always been my, my ethos, my motto, which is like, I, I have to do it to learn it. And as an artist, I, I just found it very hard to stay in a class and, and work on a project that, that was just given to me. And, and it was rated by a, a teacher that had a subjective rating of what I was doing yeah. not that he was wrong or she was wrong it's just that to me like that didn't appeal to me uh, that's not how I learned very well like to me learning I, I can go on YouTube and really like learn super quickly how to do photography which is what I did but we'll get to there um, but eventually I just I just saw this rise in social media uh, I don't know exactly well yes I do know how it happened is because when I was in design school, I started Instagram pages. Okay. So, so back then I was building Instagram pages and selling them back to people. Okay. And, and back then it was, it was actually quite easier to grow just because there was not the, the kind of um, volume that there is now. Now there's so many active users. People make so much content that it's hard for you to rank higher. Yeah, when was but, that, 2015? Yes, around there. Yeah. 2015 and I got into it in like even yeah like 2015 I would yeah. say and so I, I was growing pages like whether it's like gym motivational pages uh quote pages which I still have one of the quote pages and then I saw I went to your Instagram at the bottom bottom and every every picture is about motivate motivational quotes <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah well, well that's that's kind of where I I, I got into the the home I was already into the motivational game yeah. because, because I read a lot of books and, and most of these quotes that I did put on my Instagram and whatnot was just a way for me to share that with yeah. people. And, um, and eventually I just, you know, like I started developing this skill of growing pages on Instagram and, and more and more I saw uh, 
I was lucky enough to see an ad online back then. And I'm sure you know this guy, Ty Lopez. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So back then, and I know that he, he's very controversial. Like some people love him. Some people really hate him. Um, but he, he made like a, it was just a, a like very short ad on YouTube before. Seven steps, uh, six and seven something. Yeah. Because, because back then he was actually reviewing books. Yes. So I got a lot of my books from him. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's well, the first time I saw Ty Lopez was in a YouTube ad I see, with the Lamborghini, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. What, who is this guy? And then I, I subscribed to his uh, 60 something steps. Then, but I keep it just for the books because I think he's, he has a lot of great books that he reads. So I'm just trying to, every yeah. book I buy, I go in to see which one he reads. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And from, you know, again, from there, um, I, I developed this passion for motivation, which led to the Instagram pages while I was studying design. And so I just saw this correlation between communication, marketing, and also creative, right? Because, because at the end of it, when you're doing a post on Instagram, when you're creating content on TikTok, it's a creative, you create something. Exactly. And I, I just realized that Oh, wow. That's kind of like the glue between what I like to do, which is create, which is being an artist, but I'm also very passionate about anything that's communication okay. because I'm, I'm, um, going, going into my CJEP years and university years, I, I was big into listening to, well, mostly like audio audio tapes or books uh, I think even back then it was like called audio tapes yeah. but um from like Zig Ziglar and all that stuff like selling and I was always like fascinating uh, about how they communicated I really liked that and 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 I forced myself like let's say in the classroom this is a side tangent but I think it's important to the story because it, it gives a little bit of a color to where I come from is I was not always like socially very articulate. Okay. So I needed to push myself outside of my comfort zone to go talk to people and to just say, to just say hi and be like, Hey, this is me. Like, I just want to meet some, like, I'm going to meet new people. And, and that was like a challenge of mine for a long time. So that's where both of them connect the creative and communication together, which to me is kind of what marketing is. And that's how, I decided to switch from graphic design and go into um, into marketing at Concordia. But as you say, I I, I don't think like creativity uh, can go without communication. They they have to go together because you can create something, but if you don't know how to communicate, nobody's gonna know about it. So like, yeah. I think let's take for example Pablo Picasso. He knew how to communicate in his paint his painter like in mm. when you see he what he wrote, you can see there's some sort of communication. So everything, both of them are, are connected. Yes. And, and uh, it was very humbling for me because I had to learn how to, as an artist, not, not have such an ego that to say, oh, if I do great art, everybody's going to know about it. Wow. And I think this is also a, a big question and a big challenge for a lot of artists out there is that you have to decide whether you're an artist or you're a marketer. And if you're really like, if, if you're really lucky, you actually have both, yeah. but 
you know, that's more rare, but that's why like, let's say like singers often have managers and they have a record label to help them promote their stuff, you know, like, and obviously now, now it's getting less and less centralized like that. I think people like artists have more and more power and they have more responsibility. Yeah. Uh, but like to, to me, it was more, uh, it was more on that that aspect that was I was very interested in. I was interested about the fact that, hey, uh, I can create something amazing, but it doesn't matter if nobody knows about it. Yeah, so and that's where I, I was more curious about marketing. So do you consider yourself more more of like a creative person than a communicator, or you think you are both? I think I'm both. I think I've learned I've learned to be both by now, uh, but because I still do enjoy creating so much, I still I still create like every week I have three to four shoots for clients, whether it's photos or videos, and that to me is like my outlet. But I'm also very passionate about anything that's finding out the channel in which we're gonna deliver this creative, because. Okay. It doesn't matter for me if I, I I make an awesome video for a client, but then nobody gets to see it. <laughs> like that that would be very ironic and, and sad <laughs> in some way. Exactly. So that's that's why you start leaning like Facebook ads, Google ECO. Yeah. So you can get your yeah. video to to people. Yes, yes, and, and, and in the same way, uh that's why I like to go to events. And again, props to people like you uh, making these things happen. But I, I love going there because it's a way to connect. It's a way to communicate. And and without the communication, nothing really matters, you know? Yeah. So let's just go back a little bit uh, um, during your studies. And um, when, you, when you were studying marketing in Turkodia, what type of marketing were you studying? Was it was it mostly like social media? Because I think it was around 2017, 18 that you were studying marketing and they, they, they were still yeah. like keeping the old traditional marketing or they were like already involved in social media and that type of stuff. <laughs> well, the, this is a great preface to, to what I'm, I'm about to say next, but um, I dropped out of marketing class okay. because, because of the fact that of what you were saying is what they taught was so outdated. Okay. You know, like, like I, I think I've learned a lot of like the basics of it, but at a certain point, I just felt like this wasn't moving fast enough for me. Like the, but because by that time I was already, uh, I was already taking on my first clients. I was doing, you know, mostly I was doing photo shoots for free because that's how every artist kind of starts, you know, like, it's like, oh, do you want some photos of your, and, and my, my niche was the hospitality uh, industry. So restaurants, hotels, bars, clubs. And so I was just like, do you want some photos of your food taken? And, and back then nobody really understood why they would want that. They were like, what? Like, why would we even be on Facebook? <laughs> and I was, and it was so funny because thinking back, I actually had to convince some people that this was important. They were like, I, t I have some business without social media. Why would I ever go on social media? And, and it, yeah, go for it. No, but the funny thing is that they take pictures of the food to put on the menu when people look at it, you know, they give you a menu, there's pictures. So yeah. then when you say, I'm going to take pictures and put it on social media and they say, why? If you think about it, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing, but it's just... 
one thing I've learned through marketing and through just like studying social, I guess, like what, what do you call like human behavior is that we're very slow to, we're very slow to change. Mm. Mm. Uh, un unless we're forced to, which is like this COVID situation, you know, we've been forced to, in some way with restrictions and everything to behave a certain way. But if, if it's the natural process of thing, adopting something new, human beings are actually not that quick to adopt it. Exactly. So I, 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 I imagine that at that time when you were getting your clients, your first client, client that's when you start, you start your own company, mass marketing agency. Is that around mm -hmm. that time? Um, yeah, but one important thing is that I didn't have this vision of, of really having this holistic service. To me, at first, it was more focused on the photography, on the visual creative. And I did do some social media management, but I kind of did everything just by myself because that's how you start off like a business and and. And I had to learn enough to be comfortable enough so that if I did hire someone to do it, I would know exactly what they should be doing and not just say like, oh, well, please do social media management for me. And then I'd be like, oh, but I've never done it. So I had to have done it. Nice. And, uh, and, and that's, that's how it started. And eventually it grew into something else. Like we, we offer more services now, like web design and, and also like really like full blown, you know, video campaigns. We, we do, uh, we do influencer marketing, all that stuff, but that came later uh, as I, as I got more comfortable with my, with my ability to, to deliver on the creative. So when you start your company, you, uh, you quit school. Uh, what were the reaction of your parents? Because you were see at the beginning that they were very strict. They were like, they want you to follow the traditional route. So when you say, mom, dad, I'm going to quit school, I'm going to start my own marketing agency. What, were, what was their reaction? Well, they, they weren't that surprised because okay. the way I did it was I did it gradually. Mm. And I think, I think this is also an important point to anyone that's, that wants to get into entrepreneurship, you know, sometimes we, we glorify this image of people that just like leave everything behind and then they, they, they start this thing and it's so risky and all that stuff. But, but to me, it's, it's more about like, let's figure out a way to be smart about this and to reduce any risk. Yeah. So I started my business while I was still in school and I was also working at a restaurant at the time. So I did it very gradually. And as I saw that I got more work from it and it took more and more of my time, then there was a turning point where I had to decide if I was going to like really like, you know, put a hundred percent in it. Yeah. But by that time I already had clients. I already like, I saw that it was a viable business and then I did the jump, you know? So you went progressive. You didn't yeah. like yeah. that. Which is, you think is a better way to start like uh, to start a business. I just think it's a less risky way, but I, I'm not sure if it's a better way because again, everyone's different, you know, like so, some people, if they don't take that huge jump, they would actually never do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. So your parents weren't that surprised. They said, okay, he's already has like some client. He, because you did a progressive, you already like have a proof of concept. So they weren't that surprised. No. No, no, they, they, I mean, obviously we had a little talk about it and everything, but, you know, I was showing them 
the results that I got from the business and not necessarily specifics and numbers, but just the fact that, Hey, look, I already got like three, four clients that are, that have been with me for like a year now, they're going to develop on more stuff. And I'm, I'm working on closing to other clients now. And there's someone that works freelance for me. So, mm-hmm. so the, the pieces started coming together. So they weren't really that surprised when, when I took that, that leap. So what would you say to like a, a young entrepreneur that's right now working on a business and that has like yourself has strict parents that want, that want him or her to, to go and have a normal job. But what, what would, what would you say to them? What kind of advice would you say to talk to their parents? Like what advice would you give them? I guess be very clear about what you want to do and be specific in the sense that, you know, you, you got to sound like you have a plan, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, cause it, it's so, it's so funny to me. Like sometimes I, on, even on my Instagram page, people will DM me and they'll be like, Oh, you know, but I'm trying to talk to my parents about this business I want to start. But then, you know, I talk to them for like, two, three minutes. And I'm like, well, actually you don't really have a business now. Like it's just this fantasy of yours to start something, but of course your parents are going to say, take your time. Like don't rush it. Don't rush into it. But if you come to your your parents and you, you have a specific plan, you lay out what you're going to do in the next six months. And if you hit, hit that goal, you tell your dad or your mom or both of them that uh, maybe if by, by, the, the sixth month, if I have X amount of clients, whether that's three, four, five, however, however you want to quantify it, if I reach this goal, I'm going to put more time into my business. So I, I might go part-time into school only by that time. Yeah. And let's say after six months of doing that part-time, you get to 10 clients or you get to a certain amount of revenue and or a certain amount of profit so that you can take a salary. Well, then you're like, okay, now I'm okay with quitting my job to uh, quitting my, my school and, and my day job to, to really focus on my business. Like that to me is, it's almost hard for a parent to, to not respect that. You know? Yeah, because there's proof and then you plan and you know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is better than no plan. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's let's go back a little bit to your marketing marketing agency. What type? Like you were saying, you mostly focus on social media, um, uh, Facebook ad, video ads, photography. So and also, like you were saying that you work mostly with restaurants. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So this is something I want to talk, which is going to bring me to the next topic, uh, which is related to COVID because. Now you were you work you were working with restaurants before COVID. How was that? How was that the business before COVID? It was really good. Uh, it was it was growing. Uh, everything was 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 going great. And and you know uh, obviously, I think COVID took everyone by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you like like you like I was saying, you were already in the restaurant business, and that as we know, that's one of the the industries that were the most impacted with, uh, with COVID. A lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of restaurants closed. It's been like, I think six months that in Quebec, the restaurants are closed. We, there's no date yet in Montreal when they're gonna reopen. So how's your business doing right now? It's been going very well, to oh. be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to, 
to, to, to be able to know the people that I know. And also like I've, uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet uh, some new clients that were uh, aside from the hospitality business. So we, we have developed on other, you know, on other industries as well. Okay. Whether it's, uh, you, you know, like we, we've been doing like 360 virtual tours for hotels. Okay. Uh, we've been, we've been working with, you know, chalets, people that want to rent out their chalets that are close to Montreal. We've been working with, uh, uh, right now I'm working with an electric boat company, okay. which again, you know, it, it happens just by word of mouth, you know, people see our work and they're like, oh, okay, maybe we can do something together. And then that stems from it. But, you know, overall, it, it's been, it's been quite tough in the sense that it takes a lot of willpower to, to really reinvent yourself, yeah. you know, it, because, because once you have your wheels turning, you're, you're just basically coasting and, and you just, you know, you're going with the flow. There's, it's not like you need to push a rock up a hill and, and with the pandemic, that's kind of what it felt like at first, uh, the, the first couple of months and all that uncertainty. Uh, well, well, what about the clients, the restaurant clients that we have and everything, but uh, we're, we've been fortunate enough that the, the restaurant clients that I have are, are very, uh, it's almost like a friendship to me. Okay. And so, um, you know, whether it's the owners or the chefs, I know them very well. And we've been able to work together to basically advance on, on their marketing uh, plan during this pandemic for them to not necessarily make like the most profits ever, but at least, you know, keep above water and, and, and make a little bit of, you know, take a little bit of whatever they can, they can get, you know. Did you lose any any restaurants, any cost, any any clients during this pandemic? Do you some that say we can't afford that? Uh, sorry, I didn't understand did the question. You lose, did you lose any any clients, like some some restaurants that say we can we can't go on, so we have to close? Or do you, do you have the same, like you said, uh, mostly? It's clients? it's the it's the same the same clientele. Okay. So so that's why I'm saying I'm I'm very like fortunate about that because the restaurants that we were working with were all were all very highly rated restaurants in Montreal. Yes. Not necessarily because like they were super fancy or something, but it was just because the food they made was great and and the the, the product they have is great and the people that are there is great their team is great. So so they've been able to adapt uh, fairly quickly. Yeah because we, I saw that you work with the like like you say, like uh, established restaurants that have like maybe three, three, like fr franchise that have three or four like uh, restaurants in Montreal and yep. yeah. So they still have like the budget to continue going on even during this pandemic. Yeah. They they have they having the budget is one thing, but it's also the they've been we we've been clear enough with each other so that the moment the pandemic hit. I've, I've had a meeting with all my clients and I told them, look guys, like I know that during, during a time where it's uncertain and, and revenues are going down, your, your first reflex is going to be to cut costs. Yeah. And that's always the reflex, but I've told them, you know, in terms of marketing and in a restaurant uh, industry like this, where there's a thousand other options for people to order from, especially with Uber Eats now and everything. 
I don't think that's the best approach that you can do. To me, I would, I would really go hard for the first three months. Afterwards, we can go into more like, you know, uh, more, more just like going with the flow and coasting, and then we can come up with new ideas. But the, that, that's the great thing is that my clients actually listened to me and we did photo shoots really quickly to be on Uber Eats, to be on DoorDash. Like we were set up within like, I, I would say like three, four weeks of the pandemic hitting. Okay. Restaurants that never did deliveries or takeouts before, okay. you know, and, and I think that's the power of like, if, if we trust each other when we're doing business together, that's, that's really key. Cause, cause the, the timing and the, especially the time, the time that you waste, uh, by, by waiting to make a decision that can be the turning point between your business continuing to succeed versus your, your business going under, because especially with a restaurant, it's, it's very low margins. Um, you know, you don't have the, the cash flow is not that great. Like you, you have to handle it very like you're basically like handling a tight ship, you know, and, yeah. and everything needs to be perfectly like in order, every expense needs to count. So, um, so, so I'm grateful that they had that trust in, in our agency. Yeah. Like, like, like you were saying, most of those established restaurants, they didn't even take about deliveries because they were not that kind of restaurants, you know, like they were like people go in, they have the experience inside the restaurants and there's no delivery. Mm. Yeah. Right away, you say to your customer, "Let's start doing delivery. Let's go to Uber Eat, Dutch, which is which is a good way to uh, to uh, to start during this pandemic. But I don't think in the long term it's a great way because they take a lot of money Uber Eat and Dutch. Is that right? Yeah, they they do they do. But uh, you know, hopefully with the regulations that come, you know, like uh, they 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 might take a little less. We'll we'll have to see about that. But to to me, the the approach was always. But so all of my clients, they have their, their own, you know, takeout and delivery platform. Yeah. So you can still order directly from their website and they get to keep, you know, the actual money that they make, which, which is only fair for them. Yeah. But I've always told them as well, like you want to be on these big platforms because they do bring you some sort of awareness, okay. you know, like some, some person that would have never heard from you before all of a sudden they might, they might scroll onto Uber Eats and see your listing and click onto it and, you know, eventually order, you know, and, and to me during this time where your cooks are in the kitchen and you're paying them to be there, why not have all the platforms that you can have so that the, so that you maximize the, the number of orders that you have, even though it's not necessarily like hundred percent profit to you, but better, better, like, you know, 50% profit of something than 0% of nothing. That, that was kind of like my approach. Exactly. It's better to be, to, be, uh, to be everywhere almost. Like everywhere that you can be to get more, the more awareness. Yeah. yeah. Because I think like Uber Eats and DoorDash is kind, kind of like the social media for Westerns. You have to be there in a certain way. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, everything comes down to meritocracy. Like, the reason why people use these apps is because they're so simple and they're so straightforward and, and everything just works well, you know, like there's no friction. They, they put in their card one time and they can just browse from like a selection of thousands of restaurants. Yeah. Whereas like 
you know, the approach of like going to an individual restaurant's website and then ordering from that restaurant. And then sometimes if the ordering system doesn't remember your card, you have to input your card again after. I mean, I do it, but, <laughs> but I know that a lot of people don't and, and it's understandable. They want to go the faster way, the faster, the more efficient way. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like, why is Amazon dominating everything right now? It's just, it's so easy. You just go on there, you have your account, you add to cart, and then, uh, like, order free prime shipping. It comes comes to your place the next day. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I believe marketing is everything. You know, I think, like, you just say Uber Eats, DoorDash is kind of like a marketing place. Amazon is kind of like their own marketing place. So I, I tend to believe that marketing is every, everywhere. Like you can market like everywhere. You know, the long time ago, they used to market on, on walls. They used to put like big posters on walls. And then, you know, then you, if you go outside, there is a bench, there's like posters on a bench. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just everywhere. Like there is always marketing is everywhere, which is fascinating. It, well, that's how that's how we communicate and, and it, the thing is we need to be aware that it's constantly evolving and what you think was great today as a means of communication, as a platform. I mean, TikTok might be hot today, but maybe in five years, it's like another platform. Maybe, exactly. maybe it's schmick you know, I, I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, and, and, at that point, you, you just have to adapt. And, and that's why that's why marketing is very, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about because it always changes. And you, you can never feel too comfortable. <laughs> exactly. It's especially nowadays, it, it's changed fast. There's always yeah. something new. Like you mm -hmm. said, last, last year it was TikTok, this year it's Clubhouse. The next one is gonna be like, just say something else. So it just goes so fast. Yep, yep. So there's the I, I noticed there's two things that you most involved in, like marketing of course and also the the restaurant industry because you like you say you were you were already working with restaurants taking pictures like uh, doing the, the 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 social media but even even now you're like you always been involved in the hospitality business why why is that like you were even working you were working in a restaurant in a japanese pub also like you were always being involved in that kind of industry i think i think it really stems back to what i was saying like i i've had this passion of learning how to relate to others okay when i when i was when i was um you know starting cgip and and everything because to me like if if I got to if I got to meet people like I've always I've always liked the saying that said um, you're the average of the five people you hang out the most with yeah and I've always been a believer that if you surround yourself with the people you want to be like you will become them mm -hmm. and I've always asked myself how do I get to meet them how do I get to meet them and you know, through, through my experiences and, and through just pushing myself to make, to, to go say hi to people and, and to, to perhaps just develop a conversation, a point of interest, I've learned that a lot of people, they just want to meet other people too. Yeah. <laughs> As, you know, like sometimes we take ourselves so seriously and especially going, 
I, I wish there was a class um, when I was in primary school, elementary school, there were classes that just taught you social skills. Mm. I think that would have been amazing. Because, yes. you know, you just go through primary school, you, you hang out with your clique, you know, and you have your, your, I don't know, your four, five, six friends or whatever that you really hang out with and you eat at a cafeteria with. But aside from that, like a lot of times what happens is you just, you just end up hanging out with those people yeah. and, and you just get very comfortable with them. But then, you know, you get into high school and maybe you want to go talk to that girl that like, that, that you're like, oh, I, I'd love to, you know, ask her on a date or something. And then you're super shy because you just don't know how to talk to them. You don't even know what you would say. Yeah. So, so like, I guess like my journey into hospitality was in a way to, to, to discover more about that. And, and once I did, I really fell in love with it because it unlocked so many doors, whether it's friendships, business, um, also my personal growth, you know, like talking to people that I had, I had no idea like who they were before, but then I get their perspective on life. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I, I get, I get to learn from you, but then I get to see how, how good living in this country is too, because a lot of times, let's say I talk to someone that just immigrated to the country and they talk about their former life in, in a, in, in a third world country or something like that really gives you perspective. And yeah, that's, yeah. Well, well, like you say, hospitality, you are very involved with people. So I think that that's what, that's what, what, that's what, uh, what you want to do. Like at the beginning when you were shy, I want, you wanted to be involved with people. So hospitality restaurant, you have to be with people there. <laughs> You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. And, and, and you have to deal with so many awkward situations, you know, yeah. like, let's say, let's say you get the order wrong, or you spill something on someone like you, you have to have a way to tell them, like, I'm sorry, but then but then also, also not look like you're, you're stupid, you know, like, like, you have to make them comfortable. Any experience about that from from that happened to you? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I have tons. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there, there was one time, um, uh, so, so I was, I was basically working at this Japanese restaurant called Imadake yeah. and uh, they, they were very well known for their sake bombs. And yeah. it, it, this is a drink where if you don't know what it is, it's a, um, you have the first, so, so basically you stack a cup. The first layer is a cup of beer, a small cup of beer, like filled to the, filled to the half. And then you put two chopsticks and you put a shooter of sake on top of that. So you're balancing that shooter with like just the two chopsticks. Okay. And okay. it was a very, it, it was a very popular kind of um, party drink that people would get over there. And, uh, and also <laughs> funny thing is it's just bringing me memories, but um, every time that people ordered that you have to, you have to, you had to sing a chant okay. before the people would, would drink it. And, and that was like super stressing out. Like it was super stressful for me at first because like, I was like, okay, so I'm just in the restaurant. I'm serving people. I, I just put their drinks, their sake bombs there. And before they can drink it, we have to do this ceremony of like, <laughs> I, had to ex I had to explain it to them. I had to say, okay, so we're going to say this three times. I'm going to say, when I say sake, you say, and then they're going to say bomb. Yeah. And then I say, this goes back and forth three times. So I, I, I would go like, and I really had to yell it, you know, like, cause this was like, 
the yeah. ceremony was that you had to yell it okay. so that the entire restaurant would hear you. Okay. <laughs> and and this one time I was I was serving these sake bomb cups to the to the table. It was a table of 20 people, a group of 20 people. Yeah. I was bringing them bringing them over on on two trays and I just trip myself oh, and no. all these all these things they just go flying out. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 like but good thing is that they're they're plastic cups. But still then it was a huge mess, you know, and, and because they were, they were plastic cups, they didn't just break, you know, they, they, they would bounce on the ground. So, yeah. So, so like I dropped these things and for, for a good 30 seconds, you would just hear ting, 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 like, like bouncing on the grounds everywhere. Oh, wow. How did you feel? Like, oh, I, like after that, I just said like, this is my lowest moment in the restaurant industry. But, but after that, it just taught me to not take myself too seriously, you know? And then th th that's the funny thing is that if you can just laugh at yourself, which, which uh, it happened after like a couple of times, uh, a couple of other times with minor things, but if you can just laugh at yourself and, and tell the client that, well, you know, I'm sorry, I messed up, you know? And like, you're also going to understand if they're in a good mood you understand like okay it happens you know what yeah and and what i most big... of them most of them not all i know <laughs> no not 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 all of them but but the important thing is that you i discovered that i was in control of my own state mm -hmm. so regardless of what happened if i could control my my emotion the state that i felt I could be in control and and if something really stupid happened and I dropped something it wouldn't matter because I was still in a good mood and I was willing to laugh at myself and and that taught me so many things on on you know conversational layers when, when I'm socializing with people when I'm making someone a little bit uncomfortable I can I can right away uh I guess I develop more empathy yeah you, through can, that. Read you can read the mood better yeah, yeah. Like, so, so you see, then you have like that kind of perspective that, like, hey, I'm doing this right or I'm not doing this right. But even if you're not doing that right, you, you, you don't take yourself that much seriously. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's just your, that's just your ego. Like, the, and, and even, even when you're, you're stressed out to do a presentation, um, because you've done like Influencer Unite, I'm sure you've experienced this, but like when you get in front of a crowd, you're like, you're a bit stressed out and you're like, or, or like, unless for me, like that's how I felt. Like when I, whenever I went in front of a crowd or I did some sort of interview on a stage, like I, I felt this pressure of like, oh my God, everyone's looking at me. And once you just realize that, first of all, everyone's just focused on themselves a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And, and number two is you just realize like, why do I put myself as such an important person here? Like, I, I should not even come to this. Uh, I should not even have the frame of mind that I need to be so perfect for them to enjoy what I have to say. Like I could just be there and sharing. And, and the moment that you take that weight off your shoulder, actually everything goes very well and you're just relaxed, you know? Exactly. Because most people, they will listen to you like for like 30 seconds and then they, they sound out. Like they, yeah. they go out like 
Yeah. This just the beginning, and they go, oh, I have to go home and and start getting the food ready, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so, then you take yourself too much seriously, then you start panic, but nobody really listens to you, like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so essentially, you're just doing it to yourself. That's what I realized is like, you're 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 setting the frame, like you're in control of how you feel, and and if you can take control of that, you're you're unstoppable. Like wh- the way that you communicate with people, you become really efficient at communicating, because you're not you're not talking just so that people can hear you, but you're actually talking so that you can share value. Exactly. You know, like like. It's coming from a frame where you're giving versus the other frame, which you're trying to take something from them. Yeah. Like you're trying to take the validation from the audience. Yeah, okay. uh, if they don't laugh, if they, if they're, if they look at you and they, they feel it's awkward, then they're, they're not giving you anything. And therefore like you feel a little bad, but if you just switch it, you flip it around and you're like, I'm just going to give, like, I don't care. I'm going to express myself. I'm going to give to you. Like you go up to someone, you're like, Hey, how are you? But you really just give to them. It's a completely different frame and it makes a hell of a difference because we've evolved for thousands of years as social creatures. I believe there's a lot in subcommunication that we cannot analyze that we cannot logically understand. But, but if, but if you look at someone and you see the way they speak and the way that they approach you, you'll just get a vibe from it. It's really weird, you know? Yeah. You're like, this person really listened to me. Yeah. This, this person's not listening to me. Yeah. Like yeah. you were saying, when we try to speak in front of people, we, we, we want to get their attention. Like we want their attention. We don't, we are not giving. We, we, we want something like we want. Yeah, attention. exactly. So that's exactly. why it never work, work, works out because you want to take something from them. They, like you said, you have to give it to them. Yeah. Well, because the moment they don't get the, the, the problem with that is that the moment they don't give it to you, you lose all your, your momentum. You lose all your power. Exactly. Like, it's like, it's like when you, um, it's like when you, you know, if, if you, I, I like to watch comedians a lot, yeah. but if you, if you look at comedians, they, they just tell their joke. Like they, they're not like waiting for the audience to be like, ah, that's so funny. You know, <laughs> No, they, they just have their stuff prepared and they come on stage and just, they give, they give, uh, sometimes they'll laugh along or something, but, but even then it's kind of like part of the script, but mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. yeah, you were going to say, they just go at it. Like you say, they, they just go with the flow and they just start doing the jokes, you know? Yeah. Because that's the way to go. Like a comedian doesn't stop. Like he just, even if people don't laugh, they just go again and try another joke and they're trying to just finish the, 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 the they want to finish their, their jokes. That's what they do. Yeah, one thing I realized is that um, comedians, when they, I lost my train of thought there, but I was going to say like, if, if you just look at the way that you, the way that you interact with people on a daily basis and you, you look at, is it coming from a place where I want more, like I want them to make me feel good or am I just sharing that good energy with them? I think that's the best way that I can put it when, 
one of the things hospitality has taught me is that I, whenever I went to a table to serve them, it didn't matter if I, I was having a shitty day uh, or can I say, can yeah, I say yeah. shitty on you? Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I can, if I, I had like a bad day or something like the moment I came to a new customer, I had to make them experience the restaurant as if they were there the first time. And as if I was going to give them the best experience ever. And that's pretty much how I, I view like every social interaction. Like the, the problem a lot of times that we have in life is that we carry our baggage from like one conversation to another. And, and like, if everything goes well, we're in a good mood. If it doesn't go well, then like we get in a shitty mood and then we, we just like end up going home at seven. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the, the thing is like, like you as a waitress, maybe you have a bad interaction with one customer, but you have to go to the new one and, you have to like serve him right you cannot bring the bad experience with that customer to the other one you yeah know? yeah so and, and even even if it's if it's the same customer okay. it's even it's even more awkward because let's say the, the customer was very rude to you the moment that you approached the table i've had you know i've had times like that where you know the 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 the, the guy or the girl was just super rude and they were in a bad mood but I still had to serve them in the best way possible. And the moment that I took their order, I had to tell mentally tell myself like, Hey, don't, don't get sucked into this. Like don't get in, in a bad mood because of this, like keep being in a good mood. And eventually what's weird is that I would say 90% of the time I get to turn it around at the end of the meal. They're actually in a very good mood. Yes. Because you like you, because you're in a good mood and they notice that and say, okay, he's, He's been, he's been, he's been like good and good to me. So mm. and they, they enjoy the food and they have a good time. So at the end of the, uh, at the end of the, when they, at the end of the, when they are done, they, they forget about their first interaction. They like, they have a good experience. So they give you a good tip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it's almost, it's almost like they, they feel guilty. Like they, they, they feel guilty to be in such a bad mood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, cause at first, if, if they can, if they can change your mood quickly, they'll be like, yeah, well, uh, like, let, let me throw this little negativity at this person. And then they see you react. They're like, oh, okay, it's fine. I can still be in a bad mood. But if they keep throwing negativity at you and you're, you're just smiling at a certain point, they're going to be like, man, this guy's just like in such a good mood. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like physically bad to be in a bad mood right now. So eventually they start laughing. They start like smiling. I guess with all your experience in the hospitality business, your, the, the marketing and the work with your clients, it was a natural thing for you to start your own restaurant with uh, Florid Cado. With the, you're not alone in, in, that, in that business. Um, how did that start? Because we were talking in the beginning, before the, we started the podcast, that this is something that you started during the pandemic. So I want to talk, I want to go into that. Um, Florida Cadeau is a restaurant in Chinatown, Montreal. Uh, it used to be like in a, all, uh, in a lot of flowers, flower, flower store. So that's yes. Florida Cadeau, which is flower and gift in, in English. So mm -hmm. even before that, even before the flower store, it was a restaurant. So it, can, it has kind of like an history, like restaurant, flowers. So how did, how did you start that business? Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to, to unpack there. Well, 
one of the partners there, which is a, a very dear friend of mine, which I've gotten to know him as a client. He was, he was like one of the first clients that I had at the agency. And back then he was partner in another business. Yeah. Like a, a co-owner of that business. It was a restaurant on Saint Laurent. Um, and, and like, I just got to know him because I was going there to do some photo shoots and everything. And every time like I, I crossed him, we had good interactions and everything. And, and I never really understood that much about him, but then eventually one of one day, like in a photo shoot, like he was, he passed by and, and he was talking about, he was talking to the other co-owner, which I knew better. He was talking about the project he was, he was doing. And um, essentially the, his name is David Schmidt. Um, this guy, he's a, he really, he, he's the, he's the head behind the brains behind like uh, the concepts. So uh, when we start like Edu, he's the one that did like all the interior design with, uh, with, with another one of our, our partners, Sarah. Uh, and she, like, he's always been a design guy. So I, I guess that's where we clicked is that I, I did a lot of photography and I essentially like I pitched him on a certain point. I was like, hey, this new place that you're opening, uh, it's called the place is called Tiradito. Uh -huh. Tiradito, it's a, it's actually Peruvian, Peruvian food, okay. Peruvian, uh, Peruvian Japanese food. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, so Nikkei food. And, and uh, so, so I just really liked the concept of it. I was like, there's nothing like this in Montreal, like Peruvian Japanese and it was so novel and I really liked the interior design that he made so I told him can I can I come and maybe take photos of some dishes and everything and he told me yeah you know you can come but you have to talk to the chef Marcel because he's also like a co-owner and he's very particular in his style you know like if he likes your photos we'll work together but if he doesn't then then we won't work together <laughs> And I went there, did some photos and, and Marcel really liked what I did. So, so we, we started working on that project together, which essentially bloomed into other things because uh, David Schmidt, he, he's, I would say like, he's a serial entrepreneur. Like he's, he, uh, in the restaurant industry, he's always like opening new places. He's open, he's opened more than 10 places in Montreal okay, wow. now. And he's always had an eye for concepts that were, that were novel concepts that were like outside of the of the norm things that were just like cool and and you you, you just you just didn't know why it would be cool but then when you put everything together you're like holy shit this is cool like you're like i want to i want to be here to like take a drink or, or or go eat like the the interior design's awesome the staff is awesome the concept is awesome so through our years of working together and having him as a client Eventually, he found this spot, which is Flaikado, yeah. an old flower shop. I don't know how he got like the the, the information that this uh, locale was available, okay. but it was. And he was, you know, he was in the process of of kind of like you know negotiating for for a lease and all that stuff, and and uh, possibly you know starting that concept there, which is a basically like Flaikado. It's a it's a Japanese uh, it, it's a Japanese right now it's like a Japanese snack bar yeah. so we do we do a lot of these more I would say like 
every every ingredient that we have on the menu is freshly made. It's made in house. Uh, we we have these these uh, awesome boxes that are called bento boxes. So it's it's basically like a, a lunch box, and everything in there is you know it's handmade. It's it's made uh, in house, and and even even the fact that we decided to do that, people people were a bit like surprised because uh, what the work that goes into those boxes is is so much work and the cost of that fish is so much that it's almost um we're, we're selling it almost like at the cost of what we do it yeah. at you know and i think that's what really attracted people to our product too was that not only is it really good and and i don't take any credit for that it's the chef tetsu is he's amazing but uh the fact that it was so good but it's also very like reasonably priced and and it, it just and also the fact that we're all these partners coming together where we make a culture that is not just about like oh we're opening a japanese restaurant it, it's also like it's a snack bar but it's also a a, a musical destination if you want to go to because one of our partners is also a dj so he spins vinyls over there yeah, as you're as you're eating so there, there's really a vibe going on there and all these people i met at some point through the agency because I was doing either work with them or I just met them at a party, at a, at a staff gathering, whichever. And, and we just kind of vibed. And when David came to me with the Fly Cato building uh, an idea, he, he told me like, hey, you're already doing social media for like all my places. And I really love what you're doing. So after I open this place, you're going to do it for this place too. But I want to give you the opportunity to invest in this okay. because I think, you know, like we, we have a good thing going on and, and I like to keep people, uh, you know, when you work well with someone, you, you want to keep working with them yes. essentially, but because, you know, like you only have 24 hours in a day. And if, and if things get communicated clearly with someone and you just get your vision, you want to work with them. So when you, how many partners are you, how many, Business partners, are you? Uh, nine, nine. Oh, nine, okay. Yeah, and and everyone has a different strength. Like okay. we're, you know, Chris, uh, Chris Guilty, one one of our partners. He's the one that owns the rec. So the vinyls that we have at Flycado, it comes from the record store of our partner. Okay. So that's why we have so many vinyls. Like, <laughs> so essentially, like he can bring like a ton of vinyls because he had a he has a record store. Okay. Uh, another one of our partners, which is uh, Hideyuki, he's the one that that likes to DJ, but he's also the one that was, uh, he, he's also a chef. Okay. So he gets along well with Tetsu, which is the main chef, the, the head behind the, the cooking and, and everything that goes on with the menu, the creations. And then we, we have other partners too, like Tamara, Alex, which uh, are, are people that have worked with me at my clients' places, as head bartenders, they've always designed very great cocktails. Uh, Alex, uh, Alex Kings, he's worked at the at the bar at the Four Seasons. Okay. He, he was he was the one that um, he was there at like the initial team when it really first started. So everyone in the team really has a a solid background in hospitality. And I guess you you like do a lot of the social media because that's your speciality. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, we, we take care of all the creative, whether it's photos, videos. Um, yeah. And that's it. Like 
social media management communications that's that's my agency was it was it hard to start that during the pandemic because this is something that just started like at the end of 2020 like really launching that like we are saying this this was already in the works before like the, trying to get the, the lease trying to get the building but you guys really really launched during the pandemic during that time that it was the restaurants came back to open and then the lunch. And like I say, three weeks after it closed, how was that experience? Uh, it, it was, um, it was easier than I thought okay. because, because I had my partners mm. and I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I know that if I was by myself with just like, you know, co-owners or something like two people or three people, it would have been a very different story. But the fact that we were, you know, nine people all working together and all coming up with different ideas and, you know, some, some week, cause, cause essentially like in, in that place for like Yadu, to, to cut costs, we, we did, we did a lot of things by ourselves too. You know, like we, we built some, some of, some of those things, like I was grouting, you know, like, you know, when you put the tiles and, and you, you need to put the grout in between the tiles and all that stuff. I, I did some painting. So, so like we all helped in, in, in certain ways to, uh, to not only accelerate the project, but also to build some sort of camaraderie. Like it's, it's really weird because like when, when you're working on something like that and it's been a year you've been working on it and then the pandemic hits, uh, you have mixed feelings about it, obviously, because you're like, oh, shit, I wanted to open this and then now this happens. But, but you're also kind of grateful that it was, it, it, was, it was with these people that you got to do this with. Yeah. And, and we, we, were, we were fortunate enough to, to also have like great friends, great families that came over and supported us. And we, we were we were enough people so that we could delegate whichever needed to be delegated. And every person put their, you know, 5%, 10% here or there. And when, let's say a week that I'm really busy and I couldn't help, well, someone else from the partners would come in and help. Yeah. And that's how it kind of worked. And, and frank, frankly, like it's, it's been amazing for that. You guys are open just for like take out in the loop. Are you still like running? Yeah, yeah. Because you were saying that you were, when we talked, we were talking before, like you guys adapt, you change the menu, you change the style, because it wasn't really meant meant to be like a delivery something restaurant business. It was just mostly like to be like eat there, but you guys really adapt to the situation. Yeah, because because uh, that was our that was our strength, you know. Like I knew that. I know that if you come into our place like Adul, you're going to have a fucking great time, you know, and, and that's, and that, that was our strength is like, we know we serve great food and we know that we know that we will have great music. You're going to have a good time. Cocktails are going to be amazing and they're going to be like very reasonably, reasonably priced. Um, and, and you're going to find something that you can't find anywhere else in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like, our game plan, but obviously when COVID hit, it was like, okay, well, what do we do now? So, so uh, like it, it's been especially hard for the chef Tetsu. Like he, he really had to rework that menu like a lot of times. 
because because it's not just about you know like because obviously if you think japanese and takeout you, you'll obviously think sushi right away right mm. but we didn't we didn't necessarily want to just be like another sushi place or something yeah, want it to be different another kind of japanese food yeah yeah and and also also something that something that would define uh define us as well like what i like about our concept now is that everything kind of fits together in the sense that you can order something from flygado it can look absolutely beautiful but then you're not intimidated by it yeah do you know what i mean like like it's it, it's very well presented quality ingredients but because of the vibe that we that my partners uh, established mainly my partners like I, i'm there with like marketing but but they're they're really like the the hard working like workhorse uh behind that but they've really established a brand where where you know you get an experience with it even when our bento boxes we we put we put a playlist that you can listen to with your bento box like like uh we thought about the fact that hey you can't be at the restaurant right now but uh hideyuki the dj he's going to do a dj set while tetsu and and the the cooks make these bentos and we we just put it on um uh, on uh on soundcloud i think yeah it's on soundcloud yeah. and we just we just printed these these flyers with a qr code that that links directly to that playlist and it, essentially the playlist just says like listen to the music that your food was, was listening to while oh, we're preparing it good idea. yeah that's good that's a good concept yeah that so you wanted to bring the experience at home even with deliveries and takeout yeah yeah and it's well done but also very simple that people are attracted to it they're not intimidated by the food and everything yeah yeah and it's also it's something that um i i think when you think about like ado you you think it's you know it's fun it's 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 uh, it's novel it's it's young you know like i think i think our team like we, we that 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 would be like one of our strengths i guess is that we we do have a team that is forward thinking and we don't like we're willing to change things up really quickly yeah. and we're willing to try new things i think that's also the important part like we've changed our menu really quickly very quickly and and very like we tested very quickly we saw the results and then we're like oh the customer doesn't like this the customer doesn't like that oh they like this let's keep this and we just improved on that but i guess it really takes a time of pandemic too to yeah. really force you to like to 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 go at it you know and to to try so many different things rapidly and it's funny that you say right that right now because at the beginning when we started the podcast we were talking about your restaurant clients you were you were telling them to adapt and at the same time you as a restaurant owner you adapt to this pandemic <laughs> uh, i but well i um i walk my talk yeah that's that's the way of putting it like i wouldn't tell you to do something if i didn't do it myself yeah. and that's why that's why also like coming back to the social media i I try my best to really stay active on these platforms because it's my craft, you know, like it's it's what I do. If if I'm not doing it then I I feel a little weird to tell to yeah. tell a client to be like, "Oh, you have to be very active on this," you know. Exactly. So, we almost at the end of the podcast and before we go to the last topic, um, I just want to let people know where can, they can reach out to you, which platforms are you on? 
Um, I'm fairly active on, on Instagram. So it's at uh, Martin Hugh, H-Y-U. And uh, TikTok, I still love that platform too. So it's the same handle, Martin Hugh, H-Y-U. Right. And uh, I, I'll, be, I'll also be redoing uh, podcasts soon. Okay. Because yeah. you 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 have you have uh, initiated that spark in me, so so <laughs> so maybe, okay. maybe next time next time you're gonna come in as a guest. <laughs> well, thank you. Your podcast is called uh, the Martin Hugh Show, or something like that. that yeah, the Martin Hugh Experience. Experience. Yeah, yeah. You you and you interview like uh, entrepreneurs like Terry Lindor, Alain de Moscovy. So yeah. I, I I listened to some of them, and it's very good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna put all the links so you can reach out to Martin. Um, well, this is a podcast about influencers, um, social media, we talk about it. So um, the last to topic I wanna talk with you is about your work as an influencer, because I know that you were saying that Instagram, TikTok, you have like almost 55,000 followers on Instagram, 40,000 40, followers on TikTok. So you have like a pretty big amount of followers. And you also work with a lot of big brands, clothes brands like Simon's, uh, how do you say that? Rustak? Yeah, uh, Rutsack, yeah. Yeah. So you, on top of doing business, restaurant, and uh, marketing agency, you also work as an influencer. How do you, how do you um, collaborate with those big business? How do you do that? Um, well, it's... It's a bit different in this sense because I, I was always doing part-time modeling. Oh. So, so I, I've always um, went through like an agency. So these, these uh, whether it's Simons or, or Rutsack, like a lot of times they'll reach out to the agencies and they'll, um, they'll look at my profile and they, they say like, oh, this is kind of like, this is the look that we want. And if I'm available, we'll do a shoot with that. But obviously, I've also had shoots where it was more in the influencer side. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, uh, I, I'm not sure if there was a question in that yeah. or. But I mean, well, you, your work as a model brought you a lot of contracts. Yeah. Also, which, which you can also use that to post on social media. And For sure. Promote that as 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 like an influencer. I think. I think it both of them they really feed onto themselves yeah. like the fact that i can do model work and get some visuals from there and then also create my own content without necessarily the model work like i think that that kind of volume and and difference in content it allows me to to reach like a like a, a broad a broad amount of people and that's something that I was not necessarily comfortable doing in the beginning because you know how on social media, they always tell you like, Oh, you need to go like very niche into what you want. You know, like you either have to be like a, like a motivational speaker or you have to be like a model, like, and you just post pictures of your abs all day. <laughs> like, or, or you're, or you're like, you do cooking or like, or you do photography, but, yeah. but I just took the approach of like, I want to share whatever I want to share. And, and I don't really care if it's going to get me less likes or, or less, you know, engagement, as long as the people that are in my community understand more about me, I'm really happy about that. And, and that's why, like, I love the fact that you can, there's so many different platforms now 
which allow you to express a different side of yourself. Yes. The, the reason why I think TikTok is so, um, is so valuable to people and, and why like people really love it is because it, it, uh, it allows you to get into like a silly kind of self. And, and people on TikTok just don't take them, take them so seriously. Like, and it just gives you the freedom to, to create whatever you want. And, and I think that's why like, I also f- kind of fell in love with, with that platform during the pandemic was that I was like you, uh, we, were, we were talking about this before the show, but like I was experiment, uh, experimenting with it too. And it's only like, you, you know, that 40,000 followers came just from the pandemic, you know, like, I didn't yeah I didn't do that before that like I actually started like I think like a month or two after the pandemic okay and and like it it just goes to show like I'm not even talking about the numbers here but it like if you just have fun with what you do and you you get interested in it eventually you'll you'll reach a level where people want to watch it and people will resonate with it yeah because it's another side of the uh, the social media because mostly on Instagram you post a lot of like about your model career and pictures about yourself. When you go to see your TikTok, you're mostly having fun, shopping, mm-hmm. dancing, you know, going yeah. out in the cold in the winter. <laughs> I saw one video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have that. Like we we were saying, I think this podcast we were saying at the beginning is so creativity, communication. And like you can go on TikTok and be very creative, creative, and trying to uh, just post a video and it goes viral, and that's that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know I think, I think the thing is just like don't be scared to create content. Yeah. Like, ninety nine percent of the things that hold people back is they're scared of like what other people might think about their content. Like, the the moment you just take that off of the equation and you just create and you post and you don't even look at if like, oh, people like, did they, did everyone like this or not? It's just so freeing. And eventually you get to a point where you actually become very good. You know, like the reason why like people don't get very high engaging content or they don't make like a viral TikTok video or something is because they didn't make like 200 of them, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, my first TikTok video was not viral, like, but, but eventually, like, as I did, as I got to like my number 50 or like a hundred, then, oh, well, okay. There's a video that clicks and people like it. Like, and like that's, that's the problem too, with sometimes the society we're in is that we only see the highlights. We only see the highlights of like, of uh, someone that had like a thousand followers yesterday and all of a sudden they have like 50,000 or, or a hundred thousand. And, and then people are just like, Oh, I just want that one viral video. But yeah, but you don't realize that person that got that viral video, they probably, they've probably made, been making like two, three videos a day for the past two months or, yeah. you know, it doesn't happen that often that you put, well, it happens that you put one video and it goes viral, but that's not really the case for most people. Oh yeah, that's that's like winning the lottery. Like, and and again, that's that's just that's just the way people like to see it, so that they can make an excuse not to do it. Exactly. Like, oh, it's like, oh well, I would do it, but no, uh, I'm not doing it because that person, uh, like, like people like to use examples, like the the one percent example that that's actually not the majority at all. Like 
for example, you'll see, you'll see with celebrities or people that are rich, like people will say, oh yeah, well, they probably inherited all that money from their parents or, or they, they probably got lucky. They probably like, it's like, yeah, maybe, but there's tons of examples of people that didn't win the lottery and they didn't get lucky and they just built it. Exactly. People most, most, they don't watch, they only watch the, like the top of the iceberg. Like it is, you know, all the under the iceberg, you know, the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. So they well, well, one, the under. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, one of the things that I really liked about uh, it was Ty Lopez that said this. He said, it, I don't remember in which video, but he said, like, it's so funny to me. Like, people always talk about making like $10 million or $100 million. He's like, before we get you to $100 million, let's get to you to like $100,000 a, a year. You know, and it's so true. Like people make these gigantic goals so that they feel like they'll never reach them and therefore they don't even try. Whereas if you make a goal where it's actually attainable, you you start thinking like, oh, okay, well, here's what I can do uh, to to improve my finances, to make like, let's say, a thousand, two thousand more a month here or there. Uh, here's what I can do to cut a little cost or my expenses. It becomes practical. It becomes real. But like when you just put a random huge number, it's just like it's it's living in a dreamland, you know. You have to go by small steps, small goals to 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 build the big one. So you go small goal and another small goal and another small goal, and all those small one are gonna get get to the bigger one at the end yeah yeah and um i just want to make a quick side note on this which because i think it's important the 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 habits that we have in life are so important like essentially we're just like habits or like walking habits you know and and the person you are is just like a, 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 a summation of all those habits you know and it's the same when people say oh, i want to get in shape like well yeah okay you want to get in shape and and that's that's fantastic but let's start somewhere let's not just say uh i've never worked out a day in my life and then all of a sudden i want to work out six six days a week you know and then you know i was just eating cheese uh like cheeseburgers and fries and now all of a sudden i want to eat like a uh, kale and like uh, a kilogram of kale or something it's like no let, let's go step by step like that's the most sustainable and eventually you're going to get there like and that's that that's always been um what, what i've tried to do whether it's in business whether it's in my like health finances it's all about just setting up the right habits and and once you get comfortable with them it it's it actually it's not that hard you know it's not that hard yeah like yeah how do you, how do you, um, one last question, how do you deal with your social media, personal social media and all your businesses, like your restaurant, your marketing agency? How do you have time to post on social media to create your content? How do you balance that? By, by not overthinking what I post. Okay. Okay. I, and, and by, and by practice, you know, like now, now for me to create a TikTok video, it takes about 10 minutes, okay. you know, um, to, to, to make a post on Instagram, like whether it's a quote or, or whichever it is, like takes me about five minutes. And uh, I, I'm, I've even been more active on Twitter lately because I, I actually, I actually like the fact of just like randomly posting my thoughts on there, you know, because 
because it's a quick uh, it's a quick outlet right but essentially that that's what it is it's just like lower the bar for what you think is so is acceptable like the moment you do that it takes you less time you're going to do more and you're just going to improve so much faster and then, so that's why like I can create content for, for my pages very quickly, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, I just get inspiration very quick. And, and I don't judge myself to, to be like, is this the perfect image that I should post? Mm-hmm. You, you know, when, when people get totally obsessed with their feed is like, Oh, if I post this, it's going to mess up the whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. So you don't have like, you're not trying to be perfect. You want to, you just want to be you yourself with the real one, the real Martin. So, you just put you have that picture on your phone you post that if it fits yeah yeah and and if it's if it's uh, congruent and it relates to what i feel right now i'm going to share that thought like it doesn't i i don't i don't feel the need to go back and and like find the perfect picture from when i was in a trip to uh like to thailand like when i was on the beach or something like it's, to, to me it's I'm, I'm not posting content just to post like that content i'm, I'm actually trying to to um to to make it a practice where i do express myself constantly and i think when when you reach a certain level of authenticity it, it it's actually not that much work anymore because you're, you're just being you you know exactly yes have you tried like Clubhouse? Um, I'm experimenting with it right now. So I'm I'm looking on how to start rooms and everything. I'm gonna be uh, I'm, I'm gonna activate. I'm gonna start like uh, getting ideas of what kind of rooms I can make on there. Yeah. Do you think that uh, that is something that more uh, business will start doing it? It is mostly uh, mostly people. It's something like because you know, you know most most social medias start with people then they go towards businesses is that something that clubhouse is gonna become i don't know just because of the fact that um you know platforms evolve in in many different ways and i don't know if they if they will allow uh businesses to kind of ruin the platform (laughs) you you know like like you'll you'll be in a room and then all of a sudden like you'll have a you'll have a like an ad pop-up or something or just like you're talking and then and then so we're interrupting this right now to to give you an ad about like mcdonald's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. i i don't think so but but whether or not it's the case it's like let, let's uh you know well it, it's important to experiment with it regardless you know I, I i'm a big believer that you should always experiment with whatever platform that comes out and if it becomes big, great. But if it doesn't become big, at least you had the practice of just creating. And also the, the, like, if I look at the evolution of Clubhouse, I don't know if it's going to be, if it's going to be like a feature that maybe Instagram will copy or, you know, because we've seen that before with TikTok, like, you know, Instagram basically like took the feature of TikTok with like the music and everything, yeah. but people are still on TikTok because there's a community there and it's, it's yeah. different, but I, I don't know exactly how it's going to go out, but Clubhouse, it seems like, I, I like, I like the organic feel of it. It seems very spontaneous. I, I like it. Yeah. You can listen to like entrepreneurs, like Ty Lopez, like live, you can hear their voice, like you, like you were on the, on the phone with them, like yeah. Lopez, Elon Musk, and 
you know that they are talking there right now. They're right now. That's the cool thing. Yeah, and they are talking there right now. It's not like a video, pre-recorded video. It's right now, like you hear their voice, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, it does bring that intimate connection that would be that would not be the same if if it was done in an interview, for example. Exactly. Well, Martin, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. It was a great talk uh, um, with you. Um, I hope I can go and, and go and eat to your restaurant as soon as they open back here in Montreal, which I think is going to be pretty soon, maybe in April. So uh, I'm going to go and pass by and bring all my friends to go and eat uh, over there. You're more than welcome. And, and thank you. Thank you for having me. It's thank been a, a real pleasure. Uh, I mean, like you were saying, we, we met at the uh, Influencer Unite uh, conference and, and, and talk, but we didn't actually get the time to really connect and, and get to know more about each other. And yeah. I think like, um, you know, you've always had that type of energy that I liked as well. Like you, the, the first time you approached me and we talked about certain things, like I, I just saw that there was something, um, something mutual and something fun there and something that we could click on, you know, entrepreneurship and, and just, just connecting with people. The fact that you, you actually named the thing like influencers unite was, was pretty cool. So, yes. so uh, I, I also can't wait for, for us to be able to redo like things like that. Cause yeah. I, I miss events, man. That's the goal. That's the goal. I don't know when, but then before 2021, if I can, I would make like, even if it's a small one, a small event, I will do it and I, I would invite people. But for now, you know, with all these restrictions, I have to wait. But as soon as as soon as I can, I will do it, and I will invite you and everyone to just get together. And I'd be happy to come. Yeah, and one last thing, like one of my goals for this episode, for this podcast, was to have you as the as the guest number ten, which I did. Since oh, thank you. I'm gonna help Martin guest number ten, which this this episode is number ten of the podcast, so I'm happy about that. Can well. I'm honored to be number ten. I, I love I love number ten. That was a great uh, soccer soccer number as well. A lot yeah. of great players had number ten. Um, <laughs> and and uh, congratulations for for ten ten episodes. You, you know, like uh, it's 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 not always um, like it's not always easy to to stay consistent with that. And uh, number ten for this podcast. I have my other main podcast, which is eighty seven. Oh, 87 wow okay 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 this one is like 10 but the other one is 87 but no my god you're, you're gonna reach a hundred soon yeah. with the two of them combined <laughs> yeah that's awesome thank you well, so much, Martin. I really well, appreciate thank you and i hope that you guys like the podcast and uh, you can follow us at the uh, hugo prince on youtube and on podcast every platform at hugo prince and follow also martin i'm gonna put all the links so you can follow him Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening until the end. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please leave a review or a comment on all the audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And also, if you want to be part of the next event, you can always go on our Facebook page and you can see all the dates. So I hope to see you at one of our events. If not, I will see you in the next episode. Thank you.